this morning as we continue to worship together. Uh, If you have a Bible, you could turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Today we are seeing that uh, God in Christ is our true warrior who is with us, who fights for us, who secures the victory for the glory of his name, for our good, and that the gospel of his kingdom would advance to the nations. If you are a first-time guest here, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. And um, you can uh, let us know how we can serve you being here at Redemption Church. We say that our purpose is gospel, community, and mission. We want everyone to know the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We want to experience this good news in community together, uh, no matter what stage of faith you are in, whether you are a long-time believer, a new believer, a not-yet believer, a seeker, a doubter, a skeptic, a blatant non-believer. We're so glad you're here. And we want to experience the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in community together. And we do that on mission. Our mission is to bridge barriers of the gospel through rhythms of practical biblical teaching, practiced spiritual disciplines, relationship building, and personal service. All of this for the vision to be people that lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. Or as Jesus said, to be disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. So we are glad uh, to be together today. As we look at Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, I invite you to pray with me. Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you that you are a good and holy God. Lord, that you have done amazing things throughout generations for the glory of your name and the good of your people, and that the good news, the gospel of your kingdom would advance to the nations. God, we thank you that you have done mighty works even in our lives, in our experiences, through our relationships. And God, that you speak clearly through your word by your spirit. So God, I ask that during the time we have to continue worshiping today, as we've done so through music and prayer and confession, and as we will do through communion and prayer and repentance and fellowship, God, I pray now as we open your word, your scriptures, uh, Lord, that the same Holy Spirit who inspired this text to be written would open our minds to understand, open our hearts to receive the good news. God, that you would shape us to be more like your son, Jesus. God, that we would be uh, people of faith and hope and joy shaped by your spirit. God, that we would go out into the world you've placed us in uh, as ambassadors of grace and good news. So God, we ask that that you use this time for your glory and our joy in Christ's name. Amen. Deuteronomy, where we've been for several months, we see that God had set his people free from bondage in Egypt. They were enslaved. They were oppressed for several generations by miracles and wonders. The book of Exodus tells us that God set his people free. He was leading them to a land of promise so they could be his people, so that he could be a father to his children, so that he could be a king over his kingdom, so that he could be a lord over his people, leading them to a land where they would grow and and be a holy people distinct from the cultures around them. If you know the Bible story, you know it takes a couple decades for them to get there, that That time was filled with rebellion and doubt and distrust and sin and brokenness. But all the while, God was showing his grace to his people, that he was showing that he is a faithful God amidst unfaithful people, that he is a gracious God amidst ungracious 
cultures. And we see that continues today. And, and the whole story is leading us. The whole story of the Bible culminates in one person, Jesus. Now, the story we're looking at today in Deuteronomy 20 takes place uh, hundreds of years before the time of Christ. But we're going to see how this is leading us uh, with the expectation of Jesus coming, that, that God is, is a warrior who fights for his people. And that Jesus is the warrior, the true warrior who fights for us as God's people. So Deuteronomy 20, the first four verses says this. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you were drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart be faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. This is God's word for us. Friends, the Lord is with you. The Lord fights for you. The Lord secures victory on your behalf. This is good news. This gives us faith. This gives us hope. This gives us joy both in this life and into eternity. Many of you guys know I'm... A big fan of movies, sci-fi, and many of you probably are familiar with the Hunger Games franchise that's out there. Maybe you've read the books or seen the movies. You know it's a, a series that gives a bleak outlook on a dystopian future where people are uh, broken off into numerous uh, districts. And they have this thing like where they get a tribute from each district to fight to the death on television, right? It's like this twisted look of the future where people, uh, they have a representative from a district to go fight with others to win the battle. And it's a battle to the death. If you know the story, we meet in the first film or the first book, if you've read it, there's, uh, the hero in the story is a lady named, you know her name? Katniss Everdeen, right? If you know the scene I'm thinking of, right at the beginning of the film, they're, they're all getting there and, and the district Tributes are being chosen to go to battle and Katniss's sister gets chosen to go into battle. And Katniss knows that this battle will will probably, likely kill her sister. So Katniss steps up and volunteers. She says, I will go in her place. Take me instead. Let me go fight the battle for my sister. If you follow the story, Katniss goes into the battle and, you know, she's the hero, so she's winning, you know. But she's fighting that battle not only for her sister, but for her district. And you see the implications of this go beyond just winning victory for her district. If you, I'm spoiling the whole movie. Sorry, you should have seen it by now, people. It's been a few years. She goes into battle not only fighting on behalf of her sister, not only fighting on behalf of her district, but she actually, I think, because the next movie's coming out soon, I'm assuming, she's going to win the victory for the whole planet. Pretty cool. This is one of numerous stories that exist, a great picture of the gospel, how there is one warrior who steps in place on behalf of somebody else. 
one warrior who steps out to secure a victory on behalf of another person or on behalf of another people and how that good news ripples out and affects a whole kingdom. We see it in the Hunger Games. We see it in Gladiator or Braveheart or any good movie. But here is what's awesome is the gospel story is a true story. It's not fiction. It's not make-believe. In fact, the story of the gospel of God fighting for His people is the truest, best story ever. We just don't have a cool whistle like... We don't, we don't do that, but we, we lift, we lift the, the good news of the Bible, of the gospel out there. You see, God, throughout history fights for his people. He fights for his people's good. He fights for the glory of his name. He fights for grace. He fights for freedom. He fights for faith, for hope, for joy, for people who have no faith, who have no hope, who have no joy. And the beauty of the gospel is that we see that Jesus is our true warrior who stands in our place to fight a battle that we should fight. But if we did, we would die. We would lose. And Jesus says, no, not them. I will fight that battle. And Jesus wins that victory, not just for a small set of people like Israel, although he did, but it ripples out to the whole world. This is good news that you and I experience. This is good news that you and I forget. This is good news that you and I fail to listen to. Our faith is fickle. Our hope is weak. Our joy is squashed by circumstances around us. But I need us to know this. The Lord is with us. The Lord fights for us. The Lord secures victory for us. This gives us faith, hope, and joy both now and and for eternity. God shows us this in Deuteronomy 20 to Israel, and this leads us to Jesus. I want to read this again. Do not fear or panic or be in dread, for the Lord your God is He who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Friends, this truth will change everything in your life. I want us to look at a couple of things. First, if the Lord is with us, we have faith. Second, if the Lord fights for us, we have hope. Third, if the Lord secures the victory, we have joy. Let's look at the first one. The Lord is with us, therefore we have faith. The, the Bible says here very clearly in verse 4, The Lord your God is He who goes with you. You see, Israel was going into a land that they had not seen. Can you you imagine being in bondage for a couple generations? I mean, a couple... Uh, several generations of being in bondage. All you have known is bondage. All you have known is labor. All you have known is a certain culture in Egypt where you have a certain place in the pecking order as slave labor. And all of a sudden, this God comes down and says, I am your God. You are my people. I'm setting you free from this. I'm not just setting you free so you can just go find your own way out there somewhere. I'm setting you free and I'm going to lead you somewhere beautiful. 
somewhere wonderful where you can thrive as my people. I will, I will rule over you in goodness and graciousness and you will grow in holiness and you will have great joy as my people together as a, as a family. I imagine that would be pretty hard. I think it's reasonable to have doubts. <laughs> I think it's reasonable, not because of God, but because of humanity. I think it would be pretty reasonable. And in fact, we see it throughout Deuteronomy. God's people doubt. They're like, uh, yeah, God, I don't know. Like, it looks like those cities are pretty big over there. We're a nomadic people and they have these fortresses. We're going to we're going to penetrate and take over that city. God, I, I don't know, man. I mean, we're nomadic people, but they've been established for a while. They have great armies. Their armies are bigger than we are. Their soldiers are more buff than we are. They have different kind of weapons than we have. I mean, they've been there for a while. We're new to this land. We don't even know the topography. But look at this statement. The Lord, your God, is he who goes with you. You see... Lord, your God is a huge statement in the Bible. Anytime you see the word God, that that, the word God can be used to describe, you know, small gods, different gods in the pantheon of folktales or whatever, different culture gods. But anytime you see the word Lord in all capital letters in your English translation should have Lord all capital letters, does it? It should if it's a correct translation. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is God's covenant name. That, that is God's unique name saying, I, I am the one true Yahweh God. You are my people. We, we have this bond, this covenant relationship that I have started, this relationship that I have initiated, this relationship that is based on my promises. It is secure. It is not going away. I love that the, the God says that. That Moses is speaking on behalf of God and writes this down for us to see that the Lord, it's not just some nebulous force. He's not just one of many gods. He is a God who is speaking very personally as a father to his children, saying, hey, you, you can trust me. I mean, I, I'm the God who made everything out of nothing. I, I'm the God who made this earth. I'm the God who has rescued you. Read the book of Exodus and see the amazing things that the Lord God does for his people. Signs, wonders. He sends like plagues to free them. The sea is parting. He like speaks to Moses face to face, gives the law on the mountain and just says time and time again, I am the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. I am Yahweh. I am the covenant God. I am the God who always makes good on his promises. Therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Friends, do, do you know that that God is with you? I mean, there's nothing that can stand against God and win. If, if God is for us, who could be against us, Paul says. If God is with you, you need not fear anything or anyone. And friends, it's easy for us to have to wrestle with our doubts and fears and distrust. But I think what God wants us to know as he's telling Israel, saying, look, I'm going to give you. He's been promising this for generations. There's land I am giving you and I'm with you. I'm not sending you into that land by yourself. I'm not sending you out there alone. I'm with you all along the way. 
If you have kids, you know. I'm not going to out any of my children in particular. I'll just say it's a common thing for kids to be afraid of the dark, right? It's, it's very easy, it's very common to, uh, for a kid to not want to go somewhere by themselves in the dark. We have a two-story house, and without fail, anytime it's nighttime, every single light on the upper level is on all the time. Every light. Nobody likes to go up there by themselves because it's dark. And so it's one of my workout routines daily to go up the stairs to turn off every single... It takes about 20 minutes for me to hit. I'm just kidding. It doesn't. But there's so many lights upstairs. And my kids don't like the dark. I don't like the dark either. And so if I have to send one of my kids upstairs to get something and it's nighttime and every light is off, it's been known in the car household, Hey, Dad, can you go turn the light on for me? Now... I can be an impatient man. I'll just throw that out there. So sometimes I'm like, no, tough it up, go do it. I'm just kidding. But when I'm, when I'm reflecting Jesus to my kids, <laughs> I'll say, I'll go, I'll go with you. I'm not going to send you upstairs in the dark where you're afraid, when you can't see what's up there, when you have apprehensions about being alone upstairs in the room where it's dark. I'll go with you. I'll go up there and I'll turn the light on for you. I'll go with you to retrieve whatever item you need to get from upstairs. And that's what God does on such a grander level to his people. He says, look, don't fear the people that are bigger than you. Don't fear the fortresses that are mightier than your nomadic tents. Do not fear the armies that are grander or the people that are taller or more established. I am with you. I make good on my promises because I am the Lord, the covenant keeping God who always makes good on his promises, the God who makes everything. Everything out of nothing. The God who has rescued you from bondage on the promise that I'm taking you somewhere where you can thrive as my people so that I can bless you and you can grow in holiness and be a blessing to the earth. I am with you. Is that good news for you? Is it good news for you to know that there is a God who is with you? Because that changes everything if you believe that good news. Because the good news that the Lord is with us gives us faith, trust. An ongoing relational trust in the God who created us, who rescues us, who is with us. And that is good news. Secondly, I want us to see this, that the Lord fights for his people and that gives us hope. The Lord fights for you. You can have hope. See, verse four says, the Lord, your God is he who goes with you to fight for you. To fight on your behalf. God does not say fight for yourself and I'll just stand next to you and cheer you on. The Bible says he fights for his people. For them. God rescues people in bondage. He doesn't say I'll be your God if you can rescue yourself. Free yourself from that bondage and then I'll be your God. You move from that dark place to this light place and then I will rule over you. You you want this victory? I mean, you can have it, but once you secure that Victory and you, you take over that land, then I'll be your God. God does not say that. God says, I am with you and I'm fighting for you on your behalf. Do you know how good news, how, how good that good news is? I mean, for Israel walking into a land that has established cities, established cultures, established religions. I assume, and we actually see it here, that there is tons of doubt, tons of fear. They're freaking out. 
They're like, God, thanks for setting us free. Maybe we'll just set up a tent here and hang out for a while. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm leading you. Follow me to this land. I promise I'd give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. And they like walk into the land and they see fortresses and cities and armies and their knees buckle. And they're like, you've got to be kidding me. We need to get this land. We need to run off these armies. We need to conquer these cities. God, we're a nomadic people with tents. They have walls. Like what? And friends, I think you and I fall into this. We, we lose hope so quickly. All you have to do is look at the circumstances around you. Just tune in to the news. Man, it could drive you to despair. I just, I can't even read global news right now. I have, we have connections, missionaries who are in some hostile places. My knees are buckling for them. I'm thinking, what? Please get on a plane already. Come home where it's safe. I have a friend, I won't say his name for his own protection. I won't say where he is for his own protection. But I have a friend, I'm like begging for this guy to come home. He's like, I'm not leaving. My place is here. You know, and he has to, he has the audacity to like start quoting scripture and reminding me of the gospel. I'm like, come on. It's like, dude, God, God's with us. God's fighting for us. These are, these are God's people over here. I'm not leaving. And if you read the news, you see in some hostile places in the world where the gospel by God's grace is thriving. I just saw it in Christianity Today, I think, this week, how there are churches that are growing in hostile places. Praise God. You know why it's growing? It's not because of some cool tactic. It's not because some people are just stubborn. It's because God is with His people. It's because God is fighting for His people. Nobody can dare stand against God. If God is in it, there is nothing anybody can do to stop it. So God is growing His church in places where people are blowing up and beheading and setting people on fire. And God says, I'm with my people. I'm not, I'm not absent. God's like, watch this. Boom, church growing. Huh? More converts, more baptisms. Praise the Lord. God is with His people. God fights for his people. And, and see, we can look at it globally and say, wow, that's awesome, Jeremy. What does that have to do with me and Augusta? You know what? If you're like me, you're probably not. But for me, it's very easy for me to lose hope and to despair even in my personal life. Right? Where I'm like, man, I thought I would be a more mature as a Christian. Why am I still having these doubts? I've been a Christian for almost 30 years. Why am I still struggling with this particular sin? I've been a Christian for 30 years. How come I'm not a nicer person? I thought I'd have more patience by now. The fruit of the Spirit, I read that and think, well, gee, my fruit basket has like one fruit in it. I thought I'd be further along in my faith than this. See, that kind of thinking, whether it's global thinking when you're looking at missionaries who are oppressed in hostile countries, or whether it's you alone in your apartment at night thinking, I, I can't conquer the sin. I can't fight this temptation. I can't, why can't I grow past this character flaw? Whether it's one or the other, we buy into that thinking. We buy into fear and doubt when we forget the gospel that God is with us. When we forget the gospel that God fights for us. 
The moment you think you have to fight for yourself, you, you forget the gospel. The moment you think, well, I need to do better and try harder, you've forgotten the gospel and you drive yourself to despair and depression rather than faith, hope, and joy. Friends, God is with us. God fights for us. That is good news. I'm not angry. I'm excited. Thirdly, we're about to get practical. One last point. So the Lord is with us. Therefore, we have faith. The Lord fights for us. Therefore, we can have hope. Thirdly, the Lord secures the victory so that we can have joy. Now, now, now listen to this. The Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. This gives me chills to think about because I'm thinking, wait, wait a second. God fights so that he gets the victory? What does it say there? He fights so that you get the victory. Does that make sense? Wait, so God is with us, grumbly, sinful, broken, stubborn, doubtful, disbelieving, despairing people. Poor God, right? It's like, gee, thanks. (laughs) He's with us in our broken, dirty, stinky, smelly, grumpy state. To go into battle to fight for us, like stepping in saying, I'll take the arrows, I'll take the stones, I'll take the crucifixion, I'll take that for my people. So that you get the victory. That's contrary to anything ever in any culture ever. That somebody would fight for you so that you get the victory. Most people fight so that they get the victory. Most people will run a race so that they get a medal around their neck. They compete in a job so that they get the raise or they get the promotion or they get the position. They start a business so that they make the money. They start the band so that they get famous or what have you. Have you ever known anyone to climb the corporate ladder to make millions and say, I'm taking this so that you can have it. Peace. I'm starting this business so that everyone else can succeed and I'll just freaking be poor forever. I'll go to battle and die so that everyone else can have joy. That's what Jesus does. That's what God promises to do for his people. That leads us to Jesus. uh, We will see in a second that the Lord secures the victory so that we have joy. The Lord fights and wins so that His people have the victory. The victory is secured. This changes everything. Can you imagine being in a ragtag army of nomadic people looking at established fortresses of mighty armies who have reputations for conquering other lands and you're saying, look, I'm I'm trying (laughs) trying to trust God here, but I just, you know, their resume is pretty strong. It's quite strong. They have a reputation of like, conquering other lands and they haven't lost a battle in a few hundred centuries what god says we're gonna here's the beauty of it is when the victory happens we know that it was god that won it (laughs) and that's exactly what happens is that god secures the victory so that his people can experience the joy and this is a, a foreshadowing of eternity for you and I as we look around and say, wait, if God is going to win the victory, we don't have to have doubt. We can have faith. We don't have to have fear. We can have joy. 
Shouldn't that change everything for you and I? The way we live our lives, the way we treat each other, the way we do family and marriage and work and school. Shouldn't that change our motivations if we think that God is truly with us, not because we've earned it, but because he's a gracious covenant keeping God who says, I am the Lord. I make promises. I make good on my promises. Despite your faulty thinking or disbelief or doubts or failures, pride, fear, guilt, shame, whatever, all that. It's not based. That's not the basis of our relationship. The basis of our relationship is my Covenant to my people, the Lord. That's what his name, all of that is entitled and wrapped up in his name, the Lord. He is with you. He's fighting so we know that he wins. Doesn't mean we get lazy. I'll get to that in a second. It just means that the victory is secured by God and nobody can stand against God. So, hey, we're pretty much on board with something amazing. So. I want to ask you this before we hit some practical points really quick. I want us to know that the Lord is with us so we have faith. The Lord fights for us so we can have hope. The Lord secures the victory so we can have joy, both now and for eternity. I want to ask you to assess where you are on the spectrum. Do you have faith or are you wrestling with doubts, disbelief, distrust? Do you have hope or... Or are you discouraged and depressed and just frustrated with life and faith and everything? Do you have joy or are you wrestling with, with complacency or wrestling with uh, purposelessness? Because if you're wrestling with doubt, fear, pride, guilt, shame, discouragement, those are anti-gospel, those are enemies of the gospel. And the good news is that the Lord goes before you to fight for you against your enemies, whether they be terrorists seeking to burn your village down or whether they seek, whether it's broken thinking, sin or struggles or personal vices, whatever your enemy may be, whether it's a person or a spirit or a mentality, God is with you fighting for you and he secures your victory for your joy, for your good, for his glory and that the gospel will advance. Look what happens here. We even get a snapshot of that in this verse. If you look at verse 5, what happens? The officers shall speak to the people saying, Is there any man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle and another man dedicate it. Verse 6, Is there a man who has planted a vineyard and has not enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle and another man enjoy it. I was reading this this week thinking that's so, it's so odd. It's almost it's almost despairing if you think about it. Like verse four, Moses says, God's with you. God's fighting for you. God will give you the victory. By the way, just in case you might die. Well, gee, um, a lot of confidence in the victory thing, Moses. Just in case you die, if you have a new house, maybe you need to go dedicate it. If you have uh, if you have a family, maybe you need to go spend some time. With them, even down in verse seven, if there a man who has betrothed a wife has not taken her, let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man may take her. Verse eight, if the officer shall speak further to the people and say, "Is there a man who is fearful and faint-hearted, let him go back to the house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own." I was looking at that this week, thinking, why, why would Moses, speaking on behalf of God, just kind of 
kill the joy there because you're like, God's with us. He's fighting for us. We got the victory. We might die. I haven't even set up my little reading corner in my house yet. I haven't even got to like date my wife. I haven't had the chance to start a family. I haven't had a chance to like reap the fruits of the harvest from my vineyard. I haven't had a chance to be... I love verse 8. Is there a man who is fearful and faint-hearted? <laughs> I haven't had the chance to man up yet, man. Give me a chance. And I was looking at this and thinking what it would be like. Just follow me for a second. What it would be like to be in the army of God, getting ready to move into this land and like conquer cities and be like, God's with us. He's fighting for us. He's going to give us the victory. And you're like standing at attention with all your fellow soldiers. And Moses is like telling you this good news. And in that moment, you start having doubts. And you're like... I can't look forward. I'm still here or uh, I'm still hung up on the past or, or whatever. I love verse eight. Like I'm not, I'm just not there yet. My faith is not there yet. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now. These are such gracious statements. These are not angry statements of like, get it together. Believe. These are not frustrated religious statements of how dare you doubt. In fact, they're very gracious statements of, hey, look, since God's fighting and God is going to secure the victory, you know, it's okay to be weak in some areas. It's okay to have some doubts. It's okay to say, look, I need to just slow the pace down a little bit. That by no means negates the victory. That does not frustrate the Lord's fighting. That does not change that. God is with us. That promise is secure. And this is what I love about it. This is an opportunity to see how the gospel plays out in every area, in the home, in marriage and family, in work and in character. Do you see that? I mean, that's what verse five is, is like, hey, look, speak to the people. If there's any man who has built a house and is not dedicated, let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle. Look, the gospel is at work in your home. That's like, the number one place your gospel experience takes place. So before we jump into battle and missions overseas, let's start with home because that's where this passage starts, right? It says, look, God is with you. He fights for you. He gives you the victory in your home. See that? Verse 4 and 5. 5 follows verse 4 for a reason. So I'll ask you this. Do you experience ongoing faith, hope, and joy of the gospel in your home? Because it's okay to say, I need to stay homeward for this season. Because I wrestled with this. I was like, hey, I'm going to move overseas and like die for the gospel. And all of a sudden it's like I'm married, I have a family. <gasps> it's okay. I mean, this is one of many examples that, hey man, God is with you. He's fighting for you. He gives you the victory. Go home. <laughs> Go home and grow in faith, hope, and joy. God is with you. He's fighting for you. He gives you the victory in your home. Do you know that? I think most of us hopefully have a home to go to today. 
God is with you in your home, fighting for you in your home, giving you the victory in your home. Verse 6, is there a man who has planted a vineyard and not enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to the house, lest he die in battle, and another man enjoy his fruit. Do you know that God, hear, hear me carefully here, let me say this carefully. God wants you to do well in your work. He, he does. I mean, God loves excellence. He wants you to succeed in his work. I'm not saying that you're going to be a millionaire. I'm not saying God wants you to be famous. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying work is a good thing. If you look in Genesis, actually, when God creates everything out of nothing, he creates the first man, first woman, gives them jobs to do before sin enters the world. Work is not sinful. Work is not a result of sin. In fact, God gives Adam and Eve fruitful and multiply and subdue, cultivate and subdue the earth. He gives them that command while things are still good. You just need to know that because sometimes we think, oh, work's sinful. Your work can be sinful, but work in general is not sinful. God wants you to experience His being with you, fighting for you, and giving you victory in the workplace. He wants you to grow in faith, hope, and joy in the workplace. Do you know that? It doesn't have to be a Christian job. It can be business, it could be medicine, it could be teaching, it could be working from home, working in the home, homeschooling your kids, raising your kids, whatever God has given you to do is work, whatever that looks like. Doesn't matter about status or money or 401, none of that, just whatever you do with your hands and your time that's productive, God wants you to excel in that to his glory for your good and as an opportunity for the gospel to play out so that you're growing in faith, hope, and joy in your home, in your work, in your family. I love how he talks about marriage there. If there's a man who's betrothed a wife and have not yet taken her, let him go back to his house. Marriage is one of the most amazing opportunities for the gospel to come into play. <laughs> That's just amazing. I recommend it. Are you growing in faith, hope, and joy with your spouse? Are you growing in faith, hope, and joy as a parent? Are you, are you, do you know that when your kids are rebellious and fighting against you and back-talking you and throwing poop on the wall, like depending on how old they are, if they're teenagers and doing that, we need to have a counseling session. But, if, but when you're discouraged as a mom or when you're frustrated as a dad, I, mean, I did this on the way down. It happens every Sunday. Everybody's loud. I'm like, just get in the car. We're going to church. <laughs> it happens. Right? We just got off the river watch. We're like four blocks. We almost made it this time. We're so close. We were already downtown. And then I was like, kids. <laughs> well, guess what the good news is? When you drop the ball, dads, when you fail as a parent, God's with you. God's fighting for you as a father. God will give you the ultimate victory as a father so that you can grow in faith, hope, and joy as a father. Moms, when you're discouraged or despairing, if your husband's working a lot or maybe he's dropping the ball as a father or maybe the kids are just just really driving you crazy, you're not alone. God is with you. He's fighting for you. He secures the victory so that you can grow in faith, hope, and joy. This happens in the home, in the workplace, in marriage and family. And verse 8 says this. Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house. 
right? All of us have some sort of character, whether it be good or bad or whatever. Here's the good news. God is with you. God is fighting for you. God will secure the victory so that you can grow in faith, hope, and joy as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a husband, father, as a wife, mother. If you're a new believer, veteran believer, if you're dealing with sin, frustrations, vices, doubt, despair, discouragement, whether you're like, I'm isolated, I don't feel like I connect to anybody, or whether you're like, you know, I'm in a pretty good place right now, be careful for that pride thing. Know the good news that God is with you, fighting for you, securing the victory for you so that you can grow in faith, hope, and joy. This is what Jesus does for us. Jesus comes into this setting in the first century when God's people are saying, we want this to happen. We want to believe that God does this. We want to see this thing happen. We want to, we, we want to believe that God secures the victory, fighting for us, being with us. We want to see the victory played out in home, family, work, and our character. We want to see this land thrive as God's kingdom on earth. And Jesus sets foot and says... He, through his ministry, living the perfect life, dying a death, coming back to life through the resurrection, ascending to be with God the Father in heaven. Come, he's coming back as a victorious king, the once and for all, like make it clear. And here's what he says, his last words in the Gospel of Matthew. What we know is the Great Commission. This is what I love. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I think for Jesus' disciples to hear that, as Jesus' last words to them, they're hearing the echoes of the promises of God from Deuteronomy, that God is with you. He's with you. I mean, Jesus is saying, I'm God, I'm God dwelling with my people. I am with you always. I'm sending you out to make disciples, whether that's making disciples of your children in the home, when they're back talking and rebelling, you're trying to pray with them and they're laughing at you, trying to have a family devotion. When you're doing that, God is with you, fighting for you. He will give you the victory. Jesus says, go make disciples. I'm with you always. Are you making disciples of your children? Fear not. Grow in faith, hope, and joy. God is with you. Are you making disciples in the workplace? Are you making disciples in your neighborhood? Do you know why? We should because Jesus commands it and we should not fear because God is with us fighting for us, securing the victory so that we can grow in faith, hope, and joy. And this is good news for us. If you're here today, which you are, you're here today. Congratulations. (laughs) If you are not a believer, we want you to know more than anything that God promising to be with his people is not something that should drive you to fear, like, ooh, I better behave, God's with me. But rather, it should bring you to a humble place of confidence in his character, not your own. It should give you a humble confidence in, um, to trust in him, not yourself or your own doing. 
And so if you're not a believer and you're here today, I just uh, want to invite you to consider Jesus. We would love to tell you more about who he is and what he's done, how he brings to full fruition the promises of God being with his people, the promises of God fighting for his people, and the promises of God um, securing victory. We want you to, to know that, so we'd love to talk with you more. So grab somebody you know that's a believer or come talk to me or somebody. We'd love to tell you more about the gospel of Jesus. If you are a believer, no matter at what stage of faith, we need to be people who are ongoingly repenting and believing. The call of the gospel from Jesus' own mouth in Mark chapter 1 is to repent and believe the gospel. And so we want to repent means to turn from something, turning to someone. We want to turn from fear, from doubt, from sin, from pride, from anything that's not Jesus. And we want to turn to Jesus with ongoing relational trust, belief. And so... Uh, If you have sin in your life or frustrations or doubts, we want to uh, grasp and and hold tight to the gospel, the good news, that God is with us, fighting for us, securing the victory so that we can grow in faith, hope, and joy. Um, We respond in a couple different ways. The musicians will come and lead us in music. You can respond by singing, by praying, by meditating on scripture. If you need to talk with somebody uh, to process stuff in communion or the Lord's Supper, I invite you to stand in the promise that Jesus has read. And after giving thanks, and in the same way he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin whenever you drink it do this in remembrance of me so every time we eat the bread and drink the cup we proclaim the saving death of the lord jesus until he comes Uh, pray with me father god thank you again for being uh, with your people fighting for your people securing victory joy for your people God, I pray that um, even now as we respond, that you would work in our hearts and minds, that you would convict us of sin, doubt, pride, fear, guilt. And Lord, that we would run from those things and run to you. You are a loving Father who's with your children, fighting for them. God, that's such good news, and I pray that in Christ we would believe that by your Holy Spirit you would shape us to grow in the areas of faith, hope, and joy, that we would experience the good news playing out in the home, the workplace, and marriage and family, in our own personal character, no matter where we are in that. Lord, I pray that you would shape us um, to be people of great hope, faith, and joy. So, Lord, we give you this time of response and ask that you use it for your glory and our joy and that the gospel of Christ would advance to the nations. We ask in his holy name. Amen.